Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and today I'm talking to Mark Lefebvre. Mark is a writer, book industry representative, podcaster, speaker, and one of my favorite book nerds. Today, Mark joins me to talk about why Traveling Music by Neil Peart from the band Rush is the best book ever. Now wait, wait, women listeners, don't click away yet. This conversation is really special to me. Mark and I really disagreed about this book, and honestly, about this particular rock band. My general policy on the podcast is never to criticize any book by a living writer. I know how hard it is to write a book, and I don't want to put that kind of negativity into any author's life. No matter what I think of a book, my goal here is to learn why it's important to someone else. However, this was a tricky situation because although Neil Peart died recently, I was still reticent to criticize it because I know Mark personally and I know how much Rush means to him. Ultimately, we were able to talk about our different reactions to this book as well as touch on our responsibility as readers when we encounter problematic texts from our heroes. It's a fascinating, funny conversation from one of my most fascinating and funniest friends. And even if you are not a fan of Rush, meaning if you're a female, yeah, I said it, I promise you're still going to like this bookish chat. For more information on how to support this podcast, check out my Patreon. For about the cost of a latte, you can have access to all sorts of extra goodies. Every week you'll get exclusive interview clips with my guests that are only available to patrons. I also send out advance notice of the books we discuss, curated reading lists, my monthly reading wrap-ups including The Good, The Bad, and The DNFs, and essays about the reading life. Go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash best book ever to learn more about how you can help me keep the candles burning over here in my reading cave. Now back to the show. Hi, Mark. Welcome back to the best book ever podcast. Hey, Julie, this is the best podcast ever when we're talking about (laughs) books. And I'm so thrilled that I get to uh, chat with you about books again. And I'm so thrilled that you're back. You're my first repeat guest, which is so really? exciting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. I didn't realize that. Uh, that What an honor with a U as we <laughs> spell it in Canada. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you for speaking Canadian. And thank you for translating. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Mark, we discussed a lot about your reading life back in um, the episode nine, I believe, when we talked about Earth Abide. So I really want to encourage my listeners to go back and listen to that one because that was where we really got into the nitty gritty of what books mean to you. You're one of the most devout book lovers I've ever known in my life. I think the only thing you talk about as much as books is Rush. I have heard you many times over the years refer to a Rush lyric that got you through a rough time or when you feel joyful about something, you will post a clip from a Rush song or something like that. Yes. (laughs) So I want to ask you what what is it about them? Why is their music so important to you? Whenever I'm in a, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person, I can't have a conversation without something someone says, uh, reminding me of a, of a, of a lyric, of a song, <laughs> of a moment in a song. Music resonates with people in, in a really interesting way. Music is typically shorter and, and powerful. 
like you've packed a lot. I think I, th I think of music like poetry, and you talked about that on a recent episode of your podcast. There's something about poetry and music that um, you, you've packed a lot of thought, introspection, and meaning and intent. Instead of 80,000 words, you've jammed it into 50 words or 100 words or whatever. And music has that same um, has that same effect. Combined, not just the lyrics, but the, the actual sounds of the music can make you feel different things. And so it's always resonated for me. I think... Yeah, you know, there, there's a there's an off off use quote in in my circles of of Russian nerdism of um, there's a rush lyric for that because with all of the albums and all of the great lyrics mostly written ninety five percent of the lyrics or ninety eight percent of the lyrics were written by Neil Peart <clears throat> since he joined them for their second album um, there was always just something that touched me uh, when I uh, when it comes to Rush uh, it was I think it was about nineteen eighty four. Uh, their album Grace Under Pressure came out and I was this geeky teenager and my buddy, my best friend, had the longest, longest relationship I've had in my life. I've known him since I was about four years old. Mm. Uh, Pete Mahajic, who is a big fan of Rush, he brings a cassette over. He recorded their latest album, Grace Under Pressure. And he goes, you would like this because it talks a lot about, it's like this dystopian post-apocalyptic world kind of thing. And it was, that was the theme of the, of the album. And I listened to that over and over and over. Just something resonated uh, with me in all of these, uh, the intelligence uh, of the lyrics. And so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. It just, it, they, they struck me and they continue to strike me. And even in, in conversations, as you know, to this day, I will refer to a Rush lyric and go, you know, when <laughs> Neil wrote this, this is what he was thinking. <laughs> Tell me how you got to this book. When did you learn that Neil Peart, who is the drummer for Rush, is also an author. Well, early on, uh, I was reading uh, a horror anthology from Pocket Books called Shock Rock 2. It was edited by Jeff Gelb. And there was a story in it. And it was it was horror uh, music, um, uh, horror stories uh, to the theme of music, Shock Rock. And there was a short story co-written by Neil Peart and Kevin J. Anderson, some sci-fi guy I'd heard about. And, and it was based on Neil's travels through West Africa on a bicycle, which he used to do between tours in the early days. Yeah. And then The Masked Rider came out a few years later from a small Canadian press. Which is it a nonfiction book? It was a nonfiction book. And it was called The Masked Rider uh, Bicycling Through West Africa. And it's his stories from his diaries of bicycling through West Africa and his experiences. And I think uh, in traveling music, he actually uses some excerpts from, from some of those, uh, some of those moments or things that didn't appear in the book. And I remember reading it thinking, wow, that is so cool. Like he doesn't get on the tour bus or fly or whatever, whenever there's a chance he gets on his bicycle because he wants to experience the place he's in. He wants to absorb it. Um, and then later on, he, uh, the next book, unfortunately was, um, uh, after his um, after his wife and daughter had died within the space of about a year, and and it was called Ghost Rider, and and he had by by that time had discovered the the joys and love of of motorcycle driving, and then his journals and books were just so amazing over the years. I was a little sad that he didn't return to fiction. The closest he came was in uh, Clockwork Angels, when uh, the ideas that he had, he worked with Kevin J. Anderson and Kevin wrote uh, the novelization of the story that Neil had conceptualized through lyrics. And that was the closest he came to writing fiction. I would have loved to see more of his fiction, but his journals 
were just so introspective and I, I found them uh, intriguing. So you have, a, you have, well, first of all, why don't you start by describing the plot of this book for our listeners? The premise is basically, it's, it's kind of almost his life biography, but told through the music he was listening to, experiencing and studying. Because in many ways, he doesn't just listen mm. to it. He'll look into it and do like really incredible research, like into the Beach Boys and all these. I learned so much uh, about it. Because uh, you can appreciate it as a listener, but also as a fellow musician. Um, but what the premise or the framework for the book is, which I thought was fascinating, is um, uh, he remarried uh, and is living, obviously moved, uh, relocated down to uh, Southern California. And and his uh, partner was probably on a work trip for a conference or something like that. I'm trying to remember what it was. And he he's a, a car fan. He had a, has a huge car collection or had. It's just being auctioned off right now. But um, he was taking one of his cars and, and on this trip, this extended road trip, he's just uh, used that as the framework to tell the story of, of his life uh, through the music he was listening to. And I love that he was so eclectic in his musical. It's kind of like your reading, right? You read anything and everything, even if like a history, a geological history of California, like, well, that sounds like one of the most boring things ever, but you found something fascinating in it. And the same thing with the music. He doesn't stick his nose up at any kind of music. He listens to all kinds of music, whether it's country music or, you know, Frank Sinatra or classical music, uh, rap, uh, rock, uh, all the different uh, flavors pop in between. Like he seemed to be, uh, he seemed to embrace all kinds of different mm -hmm. music. So, um, that that's kind of the framework for the book. And, and it's interesting that it's, you know, just this framework of over the course of just a few days, but he goes back decades. He goes back to when he was a kid growing up, you know, not far from where I live in, in, uh, he grew up in St. Catharines, Ontario. And, uh, and then, and, and then they moved to California. So he even talks about some of those tragedies that happened on his life. He talks about joining the band and the experiences of the auditions and meeting, um, Alex and Getty. And so what I love about this book, uh, compared to his other books, cause I pretty much love anything he's written, uh, is this one had a perfect framework to give the picture in a way that no other book did. And another reason this book was important to me is I found a picture uh, in 2004 when I was reading the book of my son Alexander and I uh, sleeping on the, uh, I had fallen asleep in the middle of the afternoon. He was having an afternoon nap and I was just so exhausted because I was a young parent and I was just exhausted. And there's a picture of this uh, book on, on the nightstand beside me. So I'm like, okay, I must've been reading it shortly after Alexander was born within the first few months. And, and it was so great to reread it again. Alexander's 17 now uh, because I forgot so much and I forgot the pleasure of rereading a favorite text. And I, and I owe you uh, to thank for that because, you know, I reread uh, Earth Abides again <laughs> for, for, so I could chat with you over the podcast. And then I reread this again so I could chat with you See? for the podcast. Rereading is so great. Much. It is, yeah. He's the main lyricist for Rush, right? Yes, yeah. So do you see similarities in how he writes book as to how he writes lyrics? I mean, his lyrics are a lot more concise. They're a lot more, um, like he has to remove some mm -hmm. of the words. But there's so many things about his lyrics that I know what he's talking about. Or if I don't, I apply it to something in my own mm. life. Uh, and, and it was interesting. It's, it's interesting how, how that resonates. So 
I think his lyrics are probably more powerful in many ways because he can get that same sentiment down uh, where it may take a chapter to, to get that story out. He gets the same thing down in, you know, three minutes. Did you add any music to your personal playlist after reading this book? I added a couple. Did you really? Uh-huh, I'm curious to hear yours first. Well, I added, he talks a lot about Sinatra and in particular Sinatra live in Paris. So I yeah. added that one. And then a Nina Simone album that I didn't know of. I added that one as well, which cool. I cannot remember the name of, but I will. And I'll put it in the show notes. But um, I I did enjoy it because I'm not much of a music person. And so it was interesting to, like you said, the breadth of his Music fandom is pretty incredible. So here, here's something, and, and this may resonate with you. If you go through and just look at the lyrics to Rush albums, you will recognize that you'll know what Neil was reading when he wrote that song. Mm. You'll know that he borrowed this from this novel, and he borrowed this from that novel, and he borrowed this from Aristotle's Poetics, and he borrowed this from Shakespeare, and he borrowed this from... So much of his lyrics were uh, based on uh, news and and uh, books he had been reading uh, over the years. I think that's something for me. For me, it was that there was a, it was an immediate connection between introspective thought, reading, and music. And for me, that's the heart of why I love this band so much. And and that's where you get you get with Elvis Costello, you get with Bob Dylan, you get with Taylor Swift, you get with Neil's lyrics for Rush. Is there anything in the book you dislike? Like, do you, are you able to look at this book critically, or is it because yeah. like because you're such a fan, do you just no, sort of accept it whole cloth? I there were yeah, I think there were things that didn't resonate with me and I just kind of glossed over them and I just kind of, you know, you're like, "Oh, I'll just we'll ignore." It's it's kind of like when you love someone and and you just ignore one of the little things about them that bugs you, right? Yeah. Um I'm I'm trying to think uh, there are there are elements of his writing which don't bother me and, I, and it's weird being critical of someone you admire so much, but um there there are elements of his his writing that just seem a little bit too navel-gazing. Mm. <laughs> like, and I appreciate. I'm a really good navel gazer. <laughs> uh, I appreciate a, a good introspective moment, but sometimes they they go off on these tangents and they don't necessarily come back. the The problem with me, the reason I have trouble finding those moments I don't like, is because I'll go on those tangents and love every moment of it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know Stephen King could write a grocery list, and you're like, <laughs> so it, it's that sort of thing. It's like it's yeah, it's a tangent, and in any other book, I, it would bother me, but I'll follow Neil. Right. I just want to listen to what he has to say about this album I care nothing about or or this uh, this moment. So Right. Maybe I don't know. What about what about you? What were what were parts that bothered you? You know, the one thing I do want to draw attention to is there were a couple of moments where he said things that he made sort of an insensitive reference and then said, "Now I would never call it that, but so and so called it that." And I thought Okay, but you're the one with the platform who just repeated that thing. Like, for oh. example, the the Africa stuff, and he came back from Africa, and he had the flu, or something. He had oh, something. Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. And they couldn't. His doctors couldn't figure out what it is. And then, and I'm going to bleep this out of the podcast. But his doctor said, you know, sometimes people come back from Africa and they have the fever. Yes, and he actually and then he, used that term. He put, yeah. And he used the term, and then he put a comment. No, I would never say that, but that was what my doctor said. And I thought, 
okay, but you're the rock star yeah. who just put it in a book. Yeah, the doctor didn't have a big audience. <laughs> you did. Correct. Oh, yeah. You know what? Actually, that did that did bother me. When you met, I, I remember where I was when he said that, and I went, <gasps> it was yeah. like, yeah, I do remember that. Of course, see, I blocked it out. Because again, it's yeah. confirmation bias. Like, well, Neil would never say anything that's not 100% perfect, right? But, but you know, thank you for, for mentioning <laughs> that because I, I forgot. Yeah. Um, but no, good point. Yeah, and there, there were, actually, there were some other moments uh, when he was talking about, I bet you if I went back and read Mask Rider when he was uh, experiencing, a white man experiencing West Africa, uh, I bet you there were a lot more things where he was a little bit more critical uh, yeah, or, I don't know. Well, instance, obviously, I haven't read yeah. that book, but I will tell you, I did not enjoy the parts where he reflected on Africa in this in traveling music, because yeah. it felt very. Um, oh, what's the right word here? <laughs> it's not going to make you hang up on me. <laughs> it, it, it felt very like I am the white man in this uncivilized place, kind right. of paternalistic attitude and yeah i'm, I'm I, this advanced species coming to your yes primitive planet yeah no no yeah, yeah. There, there were elements of of that in uh in in traveling music uh which yes. are probably even deeper in masked rider because masked rider was written like 10 years earlier or more right well that's in, that was what i wanted to ask you was because i knew there was a book about his experiences in africa and i was wondering like does he express any joy toward oh, that 100%. because yes. in in traveling yeah. music i just got the feeling that he he went to africa to make himself kind of feel tough he even says like i go there to you know feel good about where i live and i thought fuck you that was where yeah. i started getting really irritated like right right this is yeah. this is not your entertainment you know, other people's poverty is not your entertainment. Right. And he, and all he really talked about in traveling music, he he sort of focused on the hardships of his yeah. African travels. And, and so, the people he was traveling with and the and the conflicts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I am hoping that his book about Africa is really about joy and beauty. And is that the case? Yeah, I think. Uh, okay, my memory, my my misinterpreted memory of, of yeah. that book, which I'm sure there was a lot of insensitive things in it. I left that book. Uh, I, I'd never read a travel biography before, nor had I ever been interested in it because who gives a crap uh, <laughs> in my in my closed minded worldview. Um, I left with an appreciation. Back of then, very, we should say back, back then. then because, back then, I'm a lot more yeah. open minded now. And you're travel. also a very big traveler, so let's. But now I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I had <laughs> think I had only lived in two cities in my life then, and not, yeah. not even left. I'd only left the country once. Um, yeah. But uh, I remember finishing the book and thinking, "Wow, I just got a chance to be on the ground in a country. The, the, all mm. I had known about Africa." for the most part, was some of the stereotypical stuff you saw about the, the, the white savior complex of let's have, a, let's have a, a big musical celebration, let's write some songs and save the starving kids, and oh, you're, there's kids starving in Africa. The, the most I'd known about any specific part of because Africa is a gigantic continent. It's huge. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's more diverse than North America could ever dream of being when you think about it. Mm -hmm. But um, West Africa was a part of Africa I had known nothing about, and I left that book feeling like I had uh, experienced it and some of the people and some of the villages and, and some of the, 
And, and the fact that I think the thing that uh, opened up my eyes too is he was this white guy, and it, 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 that was a nickname that they call called him that was translated to masked rider because he had the goggles on because just to protect his eyes from the bugs and stuff. Yeah, and he was this oddity traveling. He was the 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 minority. He was the excerpt. He was, and so I remember David Suzuki talking about that. Another Canadian hero I admire. Uh, and I remember Neil talking about what what that felt like, but I felt like a, an appreciation for a country and thought, well, I'd never be brave enough to do a bicycle tour, but oh my God, I would love to experience mm. not being a tourist. I mean, you're always a tourist, but trying to experience what it's like in the depth of a neighborhood, not in the polished white version um i had that privilege uh, a few times in my travels where where local folks have taken me and show me the place that tourists don't know about and those are always the richest experiences and that i learned from masked rider okay so so that's good that makes me i'm glad to hear that actually because i did not get that sense of of joy and discovery from the the parts of the african travels in um traveling music yeah so, they, they, they did seem I'm, uh very negative although to be quite honest with you julie i'm probably tainted by my white boy perspective and therefore i probably didn't even notice half of the slights that were made especially when i read it but what in the early 90s yeah well see that's the difference then right is i'm coming into this brand new in 2021 where we have a totally different understanding you know of how, which is great. I love those kinds of evolutions. So yeah. it's interesting. It is interesting to read this book that, you know, spoke a different language when it was published. And, yeah. you know, it's not an entirely fair. He probably would write the book differently if he wrote it today. He would oh, probably well, yeah. change no, no doubt. No doubt. a yeah. few things. And For that's sure. an interesting thing as a reader to be conscious of is how far will you go? It's something I struggle with all the time as a consumer of, of art is how much do I say that that person is a product of his or her time? And how much do I say, nope, this is unacceptable at right. any time. And it's a hard line to walk. I don't know the right answer. There was a point in this book where I closed it and I said, nope, I'm not, I'm not reading this anymore. Yeah. And I, and it was after the, fever right. one where I I th- yeah. said, no, that was a step too far. And interestingly, that sort of reaction to literature is a moving target, right? right. What would have offended you maybe doesn't offend you now or what exactly. offended you then, you know, like it, it changes over time and you're like, wow, this wasn't offensive then, but now it is. Exactly. Uh, or, or I had been offended because I didn't understand enough <laughs> that I took offense without realizing the depth to which I didn't yet understand. Well, that's, that's why I, I found myself really envious of you as I was reading this, that you, you have this history with the band and with him. And so you, I'm envious of you being able to go into it with just this unabashed love of it, where I went into it with no personal connection to it at all, <laughs> other than my husband and one of my closest friends, loves their music but that's i have nothing yeah yeah for them and so i was nothing but 
stark and critical toward it. And I, you know, it did, it didn't hurt my feelings at all to close the book and go, nah, that's not for me because I have nothing personal invested in this. Right. So it, it was, I, I thought, gosh, it would be neat to be able to read this with your history, with this author. It would be great. You, it would bring you a lot closer to him, I would think, because it's a very honest, he's a very honest storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things is he does seem to capture moments that he just describes them perfectly, right? When you mm -hmm. talked about that moment and there are elements throughout it when he talks about his reaction to music and I'm like, oh yeah, I know what he's talking about. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why music in particular, because it's such a short abbreviated way to get to hook you. It could yeah. be the beat. It could be some rhythm. It could be one set of lyrics. Um, and, and that's, that's powerful. So, Mark, at this point of the podcast, I normally ask people what they're reading these days. I'm going to ask you that, but first I'm going to ask you, what are you listening to these days? Anything new? Um, do, or are you, do you kind of stick with what you already know? No, I try to listen to, to, to new things. Um, I'm, I'm really trying to um, find more local uh, music and local independent musicians and, and try and get a flavor for some of uh, their music. Yeah. Um, I, I, I toggle between trying new things, listening to uh, musicians that um, other people have talked about that I that they think are, are um, that they love, but I've never really attended to. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes a song will come on and Liz goes, what? You don't know that song? That's so popular. I was like, well, I only listen to classic rock on the radio. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm not going to hear the the pop songs or whatever, but sometimes I will. Yeah, I go, oh, that's so-and-so. He used to be in this other band. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, I, I do it more for just understanding more uh, about it. I, I mean, ironically, TikTok songs, like mm -hmm. songs that are used as clips on TikTok, like the 15-second clips. I'm like, what is yeah. that from? Or even uh, Lucifer, the TV show on Netflix. Like that, that, ba-na-na-na-na-na. Nah, 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 nah. Like, what is that? I want to hear the whole song. I, I've God done that damn it, Mark. Now TV I have shows. to pay royalties for Lucifer themes. <laughs> no, you don't. Because uh, I, I was so off key, no one would ever okay. recognize it. So that to me is is a fascinating way to learn about new 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 music. Um, and and that, uh, yeah, you know, eighty percent of the stuff I listen to is the standard stuff that I love and adore. Like, uh, give me a good, you know, uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel, because what a great story that is, right? Um, so what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? Right now I'm reading a Naida, a science fiction thriller by a friend of mine, Scott Overton. Uh, it's kind of like a Michael Crichton-esque thriller about this guy who discovers a symbiote uh, from 10,000 years ago that's been living from an alien civilization at the bottom of this deep river, uh, deep uh, lake in uh, mid-northern Ontario. And it becomes a symbiote with him. And he ends up having special powers. He can swim underwater and see underwater and like Aquaman kind of, but not cool. super strong. So I'm reading that right now. I'm just about to start reading Desmond Cole's The Skin We're In and uh, Thomas King's The Unfortunate Indian. Thomas King is a very well-respected uh uh, indigenous Canadian writer, award-winning. And, and this book is, I think it's like 12 years old. And uh, it's, it's, it's back uh, on the charts again, uh, because I don't, I need to know more. I need to learn more about different perceptions uh, because I'm blinded by so much of my, my white privilege. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm reading, okay, this is wonderful. Valerie Francis masquerade uh, is this sort of erotic romance 
and it was serialized and she wrote it specifically for busy women because it was done in 10,000 word chunks of 12 <laughs> chapters month by month. And the premise is, uh, would you, if you wouldn't get, if you wouldn't get caught, uh, would you, would you do it? And it's this monthly liaison that's organized between the married man and this other woman who's just in the process of leaving her ex and it's their monthly getting together. And as so the, the rules are, you can't uh, know each other's real names. You can't uh, communicate uh, outside of this once a month. And you can't fall in love. I wonder what's going to happen. I, like, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> and, and I'm reading a lot of, um, <laughs> I have these books on the black arts. And um, um, I have about six books that I, I'm just kind of t- looking through on on uh, for research for uh, a, a novel I'm working on. But it's like Liz goes, you're not going to read any of those incantations in the house, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I need the black magic to be very based on historic occult uh, um, right. rituals. And so I want that to be realistic. So I'm kind of noodling through a bunch of these really dark you know, how to resurrect the dead. I can imagine she does not want that like on your bedside table. No. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally fair, Liz. I'm with you on that one. Well, I want to thank you for joining me and for tolerating my obviously wrong opinion about Rush all these years. (laughs) Not at all. I clearly have no taste in music. (laughs) That's what all the white men tell me. Yeah, I suppose. But no, Julie, it is always whether we agree and love a book or whether we have a different way of approaching it. I love chatting books with you. It is my favorite. Thank you so much. Will you tell my listeners where they can find you and your work? Yeah, uh, you find out everything you want about me and things you don't want to know about me over at (laughs) marklesley.ca. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening, Bookworms. For more information on this episode and links to all the books we discussed, go to our website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and you can find me everywhere as Julie Wrote a Book. Remember, I'm looking for guests from all walks of life to tell me about books from all genres. If you have a book you want to talk about, go to juliewroteabook.com and click on the button that says, be a guest on the best book ever. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.